the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Am I excited today? Yes, I am excited We've got Tasha Layton. I'm going to tell you about Tasha Layton, and we're going to talk about this amazing book, Look What You've Done, The Lies We Believe, and The Truth That Sets Us Free. We've got so many things to talk about. First, let me say hi to Tasha. How are you doing today, Tasha? Thanks for being here. I am well. I am well. I'm in the middle of tour, and uh, I am avoiding the sicknesses that fly around the buses. (laughs) Are you? Is it working? Are you avoiding it? I I haven't avoided all of them, but right now I am well, so I'm leaning into that. <laughs> Praising <laughs> Go God that. for the wellness. Go with that. I yeah. love that. Well, I want to talk obviously about this great book. I've already seen like that it's personally impacted me in two specific different ways. So that's amazing. They it may surprise you how it impacted me, but um it already has and I know this book is meant, um, it is anointed, it's meant to help a lot of people and bless a lot of people with your stories and your insights. You've done a great job. So um, I'm really excited to talk about that. And some of it, I want to tease our listeners and viewers because there's so much we could talk about. um, And I hope that what we talk about leads them to getting the book because it is filled with um, just so much, not just insights, but beautiful stories of redemption and God at work. And I want to hint at those so people are sure to pick them up, even though we'll talk about some of those stories as well. All right, Tasha, here are some things, some insights, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, that I've gathered about you from this book. All right, I've got a list of things I believe about you. I believe that you're an adventurer. Is that accurate? (laughs) Yes, yes. I have a a past history of being an adrenaline junkie and uh, traveling the world by myself, probably in places I shouldn't have gone, backpacking all over. And so, yes, yes, you you are correct. All right. We'll talk about maybe some of that. We'll talk about, to me, you are an achiever. Is this accurate? Tell me I'm wrong. Yes, I think, uh, you know, in my brokenness, that can be um, unhealthily detrimental. And in my wholeness and health, it it can be um, taking ground for the kingdom of God. So uh, hopefully I have stepped into the latter. 
Ah, uh, that is good, man. These these are fun little word responses to my word. Uh, just some sentence responses. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. Just nuggets. Um, well, and I would say just from your book. Okay, I, I get what you're talking about, but you graduated high school early, and I know there was a reason why. You also did college in three years. And your seminary grad, um, and I bet you didn't take as long as me to do seminary because I took six years to get my MDiv. So, and uh, I'm not the achiever you are, Tasha. But uh, you went to seminary. You got your well, graduate it, it, degree. Uh, I I feel like I I didn't have a life during that period. I think if I had to do it all over again, maybe I would have taken longer and had some more balance to life for sure. I think okay. I. Um, I intimately knew the inside of the library, uh, you know, for three straight years and I didn't see the light of day. And so um, maybe I would have done it differently. Maybe I would have should have done it more like you. <laughs> <laughs> nope, 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 nope. I don't think so. I think I've got my own challenges, but uh, no, that's good. All right. And I you are smart. Um, that is that is for sure. And you're writing. You're an excellent writer and you're an anointed writer. I think uh, what I've gathered is that you are a learner is a part of your personality. Yeah or no? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I am a nerd, a closet nerd for sure. <laughs> um, and, and I always want to be learning. I think till the very end of this life here on earth, I think I – uh, want to be growing and learning. Yeah. It looks to me like you have a, like a hunger and thirst for that from what I've read, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And, uh, I know that you are a wife and a great mom. I mean, that that's clear too, but I was kind of just focusing on some of the traits I saw, but also just a minister of the gospel. You know, it's so neat. You're, you're a great singer songwriter. And, um, I want to make sure and mention some of those songs in case people are like, I know that girl, but I didn't know she was a writer or whatever. We've got songs like Into the Sea. And just on Spotify alone, we're talking 15 million streams. To you, that may be like nothing, but 15 million streams. That's amazing. That's just Spotify, Tasha. I mean, so. it's, it's, it's humbling to see that, you know, when you write these songs, you're praying that God uses them. From the very onset of, of your writing process, you're you're laying that foundation of prayer. God, I'm putting these songs out to the world for a reason for you to use them. And when yeah. he does, uh, you know, it's, we shouldn't be surprised when he answers our prayers, number one, but then yeah. when he does, I, I just remind myself they're doing exactly what they're meant to do. They're connecting with people and connecting them to God. And uh, that's what we pray for from the very beginning. So Praise God for that song. I think it's a gift straight from the Father's heart. Um, that song has helped so many people through grief and loss and um, difficult situations. And so really, really thankful for, for Into the Sea and the others as well. But um, but that one just seems to hit a gut punch with, with folks. Mm. Well, I want to mention some of the others, and I've really been enjoying just listening to your playlist and everything and enjoying the worship as well and learn from the book that, you know, worship leading is a big part of your heart as well. Um, I want to save the title of the book for last just because it's one of my favorite lyric 
turns. I don't know what the right word is, but oh my gosh, you got me with that oh, one. Yeah. But uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, how far? Um, you know, uh, just also amazing. That's the one I'm hearing on radio now uh, the most. And then Love Lifting Me, one of your earlier big, huge hits, which is awesome. I'm bouncing around to that one today. And then the uh, the title of the book and the song that I'm talking about that has one of my favorite lyrics of all time, The Way You Turned It, Look What You've Done. Oh, my gosh. And the book is Look What You've Done. So um, you know what I'm talking about with what you did with that lyric, Look What, you, look what You've Done. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I walked in that day and I wanted to write a song that was a testimony for my life, basically. And mm. God, what have you done in my heart? I want to share that with the world. And, um, you know, I think it's really about turning that finger that we point at ourselves or that the enemy points at us or that uh, other people point at us and who says, you know, look what you've done. You should be ashamed of yourself. And uh, that sort of even religious spirit that kind of comes against us and turning it to say, no, it's not about what I have done or not done. It's about what God did for me on the cross. It's about how much Mm -hmm. he loves me. It's about his redeeming uh, salvific love that is just beyond anything I could ever imagine. It's about that. And yeah. uh, that covers everything else that I have done or not done. And um, I, that song is my testimony song. And that's why it, it ended up being the title of this book, because um, it was the perfect description of what God had done in my life. Look what you've done. Yeah. Oh, God. I I always cry when I uh, think about it too hard. So I'm not going to think about it too hard right now. <laughs> um, I do uh, sometimes in in events and shows and stuff, too. I, I can't go there all the way emotionally or I'll just lose it and not be able to sing. Because um, it never gets old to think about yeah. God's grace and faithfulness and forgiveness over your life. It never gets old. Yeah. Oh, that's great, Tasha. And it's interesting, you know, uh, and I, I didn't know you'd written the prayer journal, um, Boundless. So I'm, I'm going to get that and I'm excited to get that. We, um, my wife and I, the last four or five years have been, you know, learning more about listening in prayer and, and all that, that, you know, the excitement yeah. of that. And um, one time that, that word or that phrase, look what you've done. I was praying with a student and he was trying to hear the voice of God, and I think the the enemy was was trying to come in with his lies, and so there was that accusation of, "Look what you did! Look what mm-hmm. you!" And it's, I mean, almost just exactly like that, yeah. and just walking through, and saying, "Wait a second, that doesn't sound like the voice of God. That doesn't sound like love and kindness, like you talk about no. in your book." And for him to identify, no, and the enemy is not powerful enough. The enemy, the enemy of our souls is not powerful enough to take us out. He's yeah. not created in the image of God. We are. But if yeah. he can get us to believe a lie, Scripture says he's the father of lies. If he can get us to believe a lie, we'll self-destruct. And, you know, psychologists say our systems are set before we're five or six. And so um, often those lies will begin and take root at a very early age. And so we begin to see life through those lenses. We begin to act and respond through those lenses. And I think, um, you know, we all do it. And 
uh, I'm just really, really thankful that the Lord took me through a process to begin to uncover that in a way that um, freed me because I never thought I could feel free. Up in the church, knew scripture, had been to seminary, was a pastor, had both given and received counsel and therapy and had not ever really felt free. And mm. I thought, when am I going to start feeling in my heart what I believe in my head? There was a functional truth in my life, but not, um, I was not living it out. And so mm. that's what that process was when I uncovered those lies and, and went through that process of listening for what God has to say over those. It's one thing for one person to tell you truth or for you to read it. But when you hear it straight from truth himself, when you mm. hear it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, mm. there is power in it because God made a world, made the world with a word. His words are powerful mm. and they're life giving. And, they, and there was a shift in me that couldn't have happened if someone had just, oh, well, you shouldn't believe that. This is the truth. That's not going to help me. I needed God to reach down in, pull that lie out, pull the root of it out, and fill that place with his truth and love. And until that happened, um, things just kept cycling around in my life. And I hope that people can see throughout the book um, that God was weaving a story the whole time. And I hope that they see their story in my story. Like when you uh, read someone else's testimony, the word says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And when you read someone else's testimony, sometimes it gives you hope for your own story that God, even in the darkest of places, even in the, the deepest valleys, uh, you are still at work. You're still working while I'm waiting. You're still moving mountains that I can't even see. Um, yeah. often because we're looking at our situations. We can't see the forest for the trees. And my, he might be moving a big mountain over here and we can't even tell. Right. Um, and But in hindsight, we're like, oh, that's what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, but when we're in the middle of it, we have no idea. And it's tormenting, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. It is. And uh, yeah, for sure. Well, what you've done in the book is accomplish that easily i mean uh just for people who are going to read it and hear your stories some of your stories and i'll give you an example that if you want to share with us here you can or if not that's okay but some of your stories are, are just heartbreaking and you know, i the lighter side of it is like when somebody texts me and says something you know of something bad not like bad happened like some of these stories but something surprising happened then i'll write back like what and i'll add like one or two t's and i'll spell what w-h-u-t like what and uh yeah. in your yeah. book in this book what i've written down like in a couple of stories is what <laughs> and a couple of exclamation points just because of um what what you went through that you had to be healed of or got to be healed of um, whether it was, you know, the the example in, in school with the first grade teacher, I believe that I'm just like, what, what is happening? So yeah. I don't know if it would be helpful to yeah. share part of one of those stories here for people who may just look at you yeah. now and see all these beautiful songs and the books that you write and just think, oh, this girl, yeah, it's easy for her, but it's not always that way. 
Don't we think that about everyone around us? It looks easier for them or God, you can do it for them, but are you holding out on me? Do I deserve your best? Do I deserve your goodness? And I think uh, what I mentioned about lies earlier um, in the story you're referring to in the book is in first grade, my teacher uh, had asked the entire class to get up and read. Um, you know, it's first grade, so probably like a sentence, like the cat ran. I don't know. And uh, anyway, I had drank a lot of water that morning. I had to go to the restroom, and I asked a couple of times. She thought I was trying to get out of reading. And so um, she wouldn't let me go. And then it finally, uh, I, I got up from my turn, and I wet my pants. But then instead of responding um, with compassion, mm-hmm. Uh, she was just frustrated and, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And it's like, I don't know what her deal was that day that caused her to respond that way. But she sent me to the restroom in the back of the class and left me there for the whole day. And my mom, you know, I think she would have burned down the school, you know, um, in anger with what happened. But I remember sitting there on the floor, dirty floor of, a, of an elementary school bathroom. I could right. smell those pencil shavings and school yeah. pizza. I mean, when I go back there in my mind, I, I can relive that moment. Um, but I remember holding my knees up and just hugging my knees, and I felt so ashamed and embarrassed and dirty. And uh, that was one of the moments that I didn't think was that influential uh, in my past I didn't think I was living through that lens at all. And Mm. sitting on a counselor's couch at 30 years old, that's one of the instances that came up. Mm. And we went there in healing prayer. And he said, you know, because God stands outside of time, because he created time, he was there when that happened, but he's still there. And he can take you back there in your heart and your imagination and let you know where he is and what he thinks about it. And so we went there in prayer. And he said, where where are you? What are you feeling? And I described what I just told you. And then at that moment, he said, where where is Jesus right now? And I just began to cry because he he was right there beside me. He didn't have to say anything. He just gathered me in his arms, sat me on his lap and just held me, much like I would have held my little boy or little girl if that had happened to them. He said, you are not dirty. You are just the way that I made you. I love you just the way you are. And wow. that could have happened to any little any little kid. It took the embarrassment away. It took the, the shame away. It took every, every negative emotion away of that experience. And I began to have compassion on myself. Like, like anyone would have compassion on a child in a norm, normal circumstance. And healing came from that moment. And so I go through some of those situations in the book um, and stories from my life where the enemy entered in early with a hook of a lie. And then you start to believe, you know, I'm not like everybody else. I'm not as good as everyone else. I'm dirty. I'm ashamed. I'm shameful. And you start to believe those things, and it's subtle. Influence is powerful, and it's subtle. And so when you believe those things, you don't even know that you're believing those things sometimes. You just might see a a behavior in your life or a a pattern in your life or an addiction that you don't even know why it's there, how it got there. Um, And that's where I felt in life when when I went to that counseling place. I just felt stuck. 
I wasn't mm. acting out. I wasn't doing anything bad. I wasn't addicted to drugs or alcohol or anything like that. I just felt stuck and not free. And I, I didn't know where the roots of things were. And so sometimes we have to dig a little deeper. And that's what I do, um, what I give examples of in the book. Oh, yeah. You do a beautiful job of it. When you talk about, because I hear that from other people, can I don't know if you can say more about it or if that was it, but um, that was beautiful. But being stuck, I feel like that's a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, can you, I don't know what you, what else you can speak into that or just the insights of people just feeling stuck. Is there any more you can tell us about that, Tasha? I think for me specifically, there was a looming sadness. There was a, a looming or an underlying loneliness in my life. Um, there was a fear to step out into what God had called me to do. There were all of those things and each one of those emotions was connected to a lie that I believed or a vow that I'd made because of something that had happened earlier in my life. And, you know, sometimes when psychologists talk about um, delving into your subconscious and, and trying to, you know, uncover memories and things like that, sometimes it can it can come across um, a little sterile or like, are you getting too scientific with that? Is that really the cause of everything is our childhood? Because sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's stuff that happens in our, our adolescence or adulthood. And and so for me, I had to, all of those things caused me to feel stuck. Uh, the inability to step out in boldness and courage. Um, and I knew from scripture that the Holy Spirit offered that courage from Acts be bold and, and even yeah. Joshua, be bold and courageous. Right. But I couldn't seem to muster up uh, that courage in my life. And I thought, something's preventing that. And it was fear of man. It was fear of rejection. It was all connected to things I'd experienced as a young child or um, hurts in life. And so to, to get unstuck, you really have to get to the bottom of it. You have to find out where it started or it just keeps cycling around. I would feel some progress. And this w- was really explanatory of why I would feel some progress in an area. And then a couple of years later, why is this cycling back around? Why do I feel so lonely again? And I didn't even realize that I had tried to self-protect and be invulnerable my whole life out of fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. And that came from being bullied in elementary school. Mm -hmm. And I'd never really dealt with that. I thought all kids get bullied or um, Mm -hmm. all kids get, you know, hurtful things said to them on the playground or uh, you're ashamed of what you're wearing because you don't have as much money as the neighbors next door or, or, you know, things like that are just such normalcies for humanity that I, I didn't expect the lies I was living out to be so intertwined with mm. that. And I think uh, Bob Goff wrote the forward to this book. And he does a beautiful job <laughs> of talking about how we get entangled with the lies and how it slows us down. And so um, I think uh, the forward to the book is really a perfect explanation of, of getting stuck and what that means. Yeah. Okay. Well, I confess, I I skipped right to you, so I got to go back and read Bob Goff's uh, foreword. You have to. He did. <laughs> Bob is an amazing person. He's an amazing human. Uh, just his heart is so tender towards humanity, and and 
it's just incredible. I feel so inspired by him, but he did a beautiful job with the forward um, setting up the book. So don't miss that. Well, that's great, but you did such a beautiful job with this book that I really want people to get this book and dive in and get to know you and your story. And they will see, you will, if you're listening or watching, you will see your story in this and God will speak to you through this and you will be encouraged and strengthened. So I really encourage you to pick up, look what you've, look what you've done, the lies we believe and the truth that sets us free. Um, also, I just want to say and that is not my sign off i want to talk a little bit more if you can please i I kind of lost track of time since we started a little bit late so um it sounds like i'm wrapping up i am not unless you need to go tasha so um but i just know okay i was gonna let everybody know that they're that i read the audiobook so if you wanted to get the audiobook um yours truly is reading it i'd never done that before so that was a first for me Well, I'm glad you mentioned it because that was what I was going to say next because we pre-ordered your book and got the audio before the book was out. And my uh, grown daughter here with us, um, we listened to the first six chapters of it and you uh, loved it and she loved it too. Now she just needs to either listen or read the rest of the book, but um, uh, you have a great reading and speaking voice. You just, it was very, uh, it's a great way to experience the book. So if anybody is like, ah, I just don't have time to read, or they think they don't have, get the audio book. It is, your voice is just great in it. And hearing the stories from your voice is really cool, Tasha. Well, I tried to, to, to write, thank you for that. I, I tried to write the book in short chapters where you could pick it up and put it back down. Um, I didn't, I didn't want it to be long drawn out so that moms couldn't feel like it, it was accessible to them because being a mom, I know it's so hard sometimes. So I, I wanted it kind of in smaller nuggets, smaller um, portions the, so that you wouldn't feel overwhelmed. Yeah. It's so well-written and well-crafted that it is, uh, it's an easy read as far as like the best kind of easy read of just, um, man, there's just, it's really well-written. So you just go through it. So I a hundred percent agree that someone may think like they don't have time to read it, but it's, it's so easy to read, um, that, I mean, either way works, but I want people to get a hold of this book, audio or reading for me. I like the book because I like to write like, what, what's happening here? Um, yeah, I like to yeah take me notes. too. I'm, I'm a note taker and a highlighter. <laughs> yeah, I've <laughs> got too. all my notes here. You had so many um, good quotes. It was very hard to just pull out a few. Um, but you said, I've learned about traumatic experiences. They hide out in your heart and make themselves at home in ways you cannot always predict. And I know you talked about yeah. that cruel moment as a first grader. And maybe we don't have time for you to go in to the other like what moment of uh what happened to you in church but i know that that derailed you with the the pastor's wife um those lies that you heard is there anything you want to talk about that here yeah that that situation was so toxic and i think one thing that we don't talk a lot about sometimes is church hurt can be very, very toxic and how that um, influences 
people. And, you know, we have a lot of people deconstructing right now their faith and whatever right. you call it. Um, right, right. But I, I do think some of that is just a, some of it is hurt. And I think some of it is trying to reconcile what they experience with what they read about in scripture and the the inconsistencies of that. I think it's um, mm. both disheartening and disillusioning to read about what the gospel and what the church is to be mm. and yet experience something uh, very negative um, yeah. and, and to not feel like you're getting uh, the real gospel and, and real vulnerability from community. Um, Cause I think a lot of people try to reach out for community and then they get hurt or, and they, uh, they don't want to be vulnerable again because they're yeah. hurt and it's out of our own brokenness that we sometimes compete and compare and uh, mm. do the thing that we do of tearing other people down. Right. Um, and I think we'd have a lot less people deconstructing if, if that wasn't mm. the case, but unfortunately it is. And um, I think what the church could do is to mm. not judge those who are deconstructing, deconstructing mm. because um I think we we so easily think, gosh, they're turning on their own or, um, you know, we we have thoughts about that. But we have to trust that Mm. on the other side um, that God could do an amazing work through them testing their faith. Um, Now, it's unfortunate that some people have been so public with it and uh, they they hold influence in that way. But I do think... um, and one one thing that people who are searching and deconstructing and all that could do is not judge the people in the church, mm. um, because just because you're firm in your faith doesn't mean that you're ignorant or stupid or that you yeah. haven't thought it out, you haven't thought it through, you haven't tested your faith. Um, mm. I think we do a lot of judging on both sides, and and both with within and from with you know outside of the church, we mm. we just want to be the judge, the jury the prosecutor, the defender. We want to hold all of those seats. And ultimately, God is the judge. He is the only one that could hold all of those seats and the only one to pardon any of us. And so um, my hope is that when people read about my hurt in the church and my journey to find my faith and to find the truth, not my truth, your truth. There ain't no such thing as my truth, your truth. There's only one truth. Only one thing can be true. I, that, right. this, that whole argument is just insanity to me. Right. Uh, truly is insanity. But, um, but you know, on people's search, just try not to judge. Mm. Just love them because love mm. changes things. Love is powerful. God says of faith, hope, and love Love is the one that can change the world. God's love in us. And when we know how much we're loved, that changes the way we treat people. We start treating other people differently because we know how valuable we are. And when I got that realization of how God felt about me, I was smiling at strangers in airports. Mm-hmm. I was offering to to carry some, you know, everyone's stuff. Like I just, <laughs> I had this like newfound appreciation for every human soul. I was like, oh my God, I just love everybody so much. But it was because I felt so much love from God the Father to me. I was mm. like, I can't even contain this. And yeah. And then when you have kids, 
that's a whole nother thing. Cause you're like, I finally understand how much you can love something when they've done nothing for you. <laughs> In fact, they, they right. can suck the life out of you. Right. And you still adore them and love right. them so much. And that's how God feels about us. We're just, uh, he, he just adores us so much. Oh man, that's, that is great, Tasha. Gosh, I'm just smiling, enjoying what you're saying. And there is so much more in this book. I, I got to ask a few other questions and tell you, I mean, they're definitely in the beginning and that, that story that we just alluded to, but didn't go into with that church heart. I mean, that definitely, um, man, just brings that righteous indignation, that hurt, the, the emotion, you know, these stories bring mm-hmm. tears to my eyes, but then there was some sweet tears and it was so beautiful in your life, the way God speaks to you, Tasha, you know, several times you'll share a story where God says something to you and, and they're just beautiful little th- things, but they're so pivotal in your life, um, which was really cool. But also one thing yeah. that made me tear up was when you were in seminary and I believe her name is Kim Moss, maybe asked about you leading worship. Yeah. Can you share that story with us? It, it made yeah. me tear up if you don't mind sharing for, it. For years, I was part of my wounding in the church was that uh, I was told I would never lead worship in the church again. I only sang for myself, you know, just a really unhealthy person in our church really wounded me. And so I was 16. I was so impressionable. And so I, I laid down music altogether. I didn't sing. I didn't play guitar. I didn't do anything. And then um, years later, I was in seminary and my friend Kim, who was my Hebrew study partner, we would um, sit in the cafe at school and just use flashcards for our Hebrew class. Uh, wow. oh, she came to me one day I and she said, I told you this girl's hey. smart. <laughs> I, lo- I loved Hebrew. It was so awesome. Uh, but she came to me one day and she said, you know, would you uh, lead worship for this women's event? And I said, uh, she said, do you do that? I was praying and I, I heard your name. I said, no. I just flat out lied to her. I flat out broke the Ten Commandments and I lied to the woman. I was like, I don't do that. And so uh, she looked puzzled and she came back to me a week later and she was like, hey, I know that you said you don't do this, but I know your name keeps coming to mind. And so she's like, don't answer right now. Just call me. I'll call you tomorrow. So I was like, oh, crap. She's, I, I'm going to have to do this. Like, God is on to me. And so uh I, she called and I said yes. And I, I had not sang in years. I hadn't played guitar. I had no calluses on my fingers. And the event was really close. And I was like, I don't even have time to get ready. This is going to stink. Yeah. And musically, it did stink. Uh, but <laughs> the Spirit of God was so sweet in that place. Mm. And the glory of God was present in a way mm. that was life-changing. And and so after the event, I thought, man, I, I think I am maybe called to lead worship and maybe I need to reopen this chapter um, and let the Lord do some healing. And he did. And it was incredible. Um, it wasn't immediate. It, it, sometimes it isn't. Uh, sometimes it's a journey and yeah. it takes time, it takes effort, takes money. Um, mm. Healing doesn't always come miraculously and instantaneously. And then sometimes it does. And I think I have good examples in the book of, of both of those things where instantaneously God healed something and, and it was never the same. 
and then other things where I had to struggle through the healing and I had to mm. uh, work out my own salvation, so to speak. Right, I, right. I just really right. had to put in the time and the effort. Um, but yeah, that, that was a sweet moment and I'll never forget that event. Um, and people still sometimes reach out about that night and how sweet it was. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. It's a, I just thought it was so beautiful the way God handled that. I mean, knowing like that you had those gifts and that anointing and it was just beautiful. So it brought a tear to my eye. There's so much more. And I am going to wrap up for you because you have a busy day and uh, you have a lot going on, but there was so much more we could talk about. I mean, part of me would like to ask you to share at the kind of towards the end of the book, there are some, some big prayer requests that you put up you and your husband, Keith, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you want to share one of those answer to prayers, but there's also, I want people to know really fascinating. If we had more time, I would also ask about your American idol days and, um, amazing the class that you were with the, the people that you mentioned, you know, that were on American idol that year, Lauren Daigle, Tori Kelly yeah. to mention too, that, that I know very prominently, you mentioned a few yeah. others as well, but going on tour with Katy Perry, which I, I'm sure you got judged. I think, you know, for that, I, if I remember right, oh, yeah. so you got to deal with criticism, how real quick, before you tell me one of the miracles, if you don't mind, how do you learn to deal with criticism uh, especially like you said, it comes from Christians usually. Well, even, even recently we had a show um, in Tulsa this, yeah. this past week. And uh, I saw on the wall, um, every artist who's played in the arena gets their name on the wall. Yeah. Well, Katie, two of the years I was with Katie Perry were on the wall. And so I took a picture and I, I, I saw about, that posted yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, full circle moment. Even then, even then people say uh, negative things. And I got a string of comments and messages of how could you, you know, run close to her. There's all kinds of I hope articles about her. And, I hope what you're you close say? to her. I hope you're still close to her. I know. Right? You can't season anything if salt is in the shaker, right? I mean, there's right. so many things to be said about that. And when I did... Um, initially take the job with Katie, there was a lot of judgment being thrown my way for how could you be Christian and sing those lyrics? And I'm like, how could you, uh, how can you let the world know about Jesus love? And how can you be a light unless you go into dark places? If you're just a light in the light, nobody sees that, you know? So I, I think um, one thing, but what I want to speak to is what you mentioned. You said, how do you deal with criticism? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, earlier in my life, and you mentioned me being an achiever and all of that. Mm-hmm. My achievement uh, personality, my achieving personality comes out of brokenness of like, I don't want to give anyone a reason to reject me. So I want to mm. do well at something or, okay. um, and so that brokenness caused me to have a lot of fear of man earlier in my life. The, the weakness in my life was fearing what everyone else thought. Now you compound that by, uh, me growing up in the Bible Belt, me growing up in a conservative family, me having a, a history of living in a trailer out in the middle of nowhere and getting judged for that. You put all those things together and it's a recipe for disaster. I'm going to be really broken or built up by what people say. However, mm. geez, God says in your weakness, mm. I am strong. And what I've often seen in people's life is 
in their brokenness, the thing that they struggle with the most, if they surrender that thing to Jesus, it often becomes the 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 earmark or the strength of their life, what they're known for. God takes our struggle. He doesn't waste anything. Yeah. He makes everything beautiful in its time, Ecclesiastes says. And so that was my weakness. And now that's my strength. Yes. Anybody could say just about anything to me. And I am concerned with what the father says. Mm. I am concerned with what mm. he thinks about my life. I am not mm. swayed by uh, people's rejection. Uh, when I stand at the merch table every night and people um, give compliments, I'm, I, I appreciate the comments and I, I don't want to like uh, diss them for saying those right. things, but I am not swayed by that. That does not motivate me. Right. Um, awards or the thing, you know, uh, God will take, the thing that was our weakness and in his strength, it can end up being a very strong aspect of our life. And so I think I deal with criticism in a very different way than I used to. Um, There was those string of comments on my Katy Perry post recently, and I might reach out to those people in love and just explain, you know, God gave me a grace to do this. I am praying for Katie. I am, I'm not, if you were in a dark place, wouldn't you want someone to hold on for you? Wouldn't you want someone to come where you are and give some light and keep praying for you? Even if you're running the other way, wouldn't you want someone to chase after you and to, and to not give up on you? Exactly. And so we're not, you know, the shepherd goes after the sheep that is lost, not the sheep that is found. And so Jesus had a lot of, uh, a lot of things to say about a lot of things, but the one thing that he got on to people about was being religious, was being Mm self-righteous. That was the thing that he poured out judgment around. And he said, this is not welcome. You're a whitewashed wall. He he said all kinds of things that in that vipers, you bunch of snakes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a brood of vipers. It's like, I, I just think, um, you know, there are two things we're talking about right now, but, uh, but I do handle criticism very differently, vastly differently mm. than I used to, um, both criticism and compliments. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's completely different in my, my life now. And as, as in reference to the miracle, um, can I, I say sometimes quick, in, in reference say- to, yeah, yeah, sorry. Can I say like, you know, I know you mentioned, and so please correct me if I'm wrong, but that your achiever sort of aspect came out of brokenness, brokenness, but I mean, God has also made you like achievers typically. I, I, it seems like he's redeemed that and that, I mean, you do, you do a lot of things. You get a lot yeah. done. I, I you mean, ain't going to waste it. Yeah, <laughs> he's not going to waste it. He's going to yeah. turn it for. He will right. take what the enemy meant for evil, yes. and he will turn it towards the good. Yes. And now I am gaining ground in the kingdom. I am taking ground yes. for the kingdom. This is a completely different thing than uh, than me trying to okay. achieve an A in a class or right. um, approval from other. It's a completely different right. thing right. now. Right. And Beautiful. if I do. Um, 
And I know what that, I think, you know, being 40, I, I ain't no spring chicken to say my first rodeo, you know. I, I, I feel like I know those feelings when it might try to creep up out of insecurity or when it, when I might be trying to strive and not work from a place of rest. I think um, when in my brokenness, my achiever mentality would have uh, been out of a striving mentality. And now I want to achieve things out of rest. God, what do you want me to do today? I'm going to work hard at the things you want me to work hard at, but I'm also going to rest if you tell me to rest. It's going to come from his example. He made us to work for six days, but then he also gave us an example to rest. And so I'm really leaning into that right now. What does it look like to rest? What does it look like to, to work out of a place of rest, to work out of a place of trust that that God, I'm going to do what I can. My mom used to always say, do what you can and let the Lord take up where you leave off. And <laughs> uh, I love that. I love yeah. that she used to say that. And I've carried that with me my whole life. You know, I do what I can. But at the end of the day, like God is sovereign and it's not dependent upon me and my effort. Like I ain't going to save anybody. He's going to save them. And yeah. I think taking that weight off of like, it's not my responsibility to be the savior of the world. Like yeah. I just need to love people and do work every day to try to look more like Jesus. But yeah. at the end of the day, I'm not going to take the pressure on of having to be perfect yeah. or creating Instagram posts that everyone's going to like right. both politically. I, I posted a picture of me with a governor. Um, oh no. Too. Oh, I got a no. lot of hate on that one. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lord man. help me. You know, I mean, it's like you post something with it's either ridiculous. party and you're going to get ripped apart because right. our world has never been so divided right now. Right. Um, but my my whole point was here is a Christian woman who's trying to make a difference. Yeah. And I got ripped for it um, in in past years. I think that would have really hurt me or affected me. But. I didn't feel effect. I thought, man, that's really sad that they can't see. <laughs> they wow. can't see it this way. But um, I'm not going to let that rule my life. Yeah. It's fear of man instead of fear of God. Yeah, that is awesome, man. That is really helpful. All right, are you okay to just finish up by telling us one of those miracles, or do you need to go? I know it's yes, because it's, this is my favorite story. Yeah, in my whole life. Um, okay, so. One of the stories that that I know you're referring to is um, my husband and I had known, my husband had known for over 10 years that he couldn't have kids, and it was probably due to a back injury. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been told I would have to have a surgery and shots to be able to carry, and then when we got married, I mean, it basically just wasn't an option. And so we grieved the biological parents ahead of time, and we just said, you know, God, whatever your will is. And so we kind of started the adoption process a little ways into our marriage. On January 1, we pray every year for the year. And we prayed and I just, I heard the Lord say, it will be a sign to him. And I knew God was talking about Keith and I knew he was talking about a baby. And I was honestly afraid to tell Keith because he had already grieved that for so long. He had already said, you know, um, I've been so sad about this for so many years. And what would it say about God if he couldn't heal me? And what would it say about me if he wouldn't? And um, and so I finally got up the courage to tell him. And it was rough in our house for about a week. Uh, wow. He did not handle it very well. I mean, he was, he was hurting over it. Like, how dare you come in and have hope after I've been dealing with this for this wow. 
long, you know? Right. And so long story short, um, we end up uh, on a mission trip to Uganda. I'm leading a song called Miracles. And I look over to my right and my good old conservative, uh, somewhat reserved Southern Baptist pastor's kid husband is laying on the ground or moving his back in weird ways and bawling his eyes out on the stage. And I thought, God, what are you doing? Like, this is what was happening. I didn't yeah. fully know. And he came up to me crying. He said, I think God just healed my back. I can't get it to hurt. And they prayed for us that night that we would be able to have a baby. And we were pregnant three months later with little Levi. And um, just a, a, a tremendous miracle in our lives. And, uh, you know, after we had Levi, we thought, well, God, was that like a, a one-off show or like, was that like a, a one and done situation? Did you heal us completely or did you give us a baby, you know? Yeah. And um, turned out we prayed again and then we had little Lila. And so we have two beautiful miracle babies and they are thriving and wonderful and the cute, so cute. I want to punch a wall. Um, <laughs> just the cute. They, they are amazing. And uh. We are so, so, so grateful. It's, and you know, I think looking back again in hindsight, uh, you look back and you see what God was doing. And I'm a much better wife and parent than I would have been in my twenties. But you know, when you're in it, you're just distraught and tormented that you're not getting what you want when you want it, how you want it. And yet God never promises that we'll have that. Um, He never promises that we'll have everything we pray for. What he does, in fact, he says, in this world, you will have trouble, Mm -hmm. but know that I've overcome the world. What he does promise is that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And so I think, um, you know, leaning into that, we we felt like we had a word from God that we were to have a baby. Um, It wasn't just like trying to believe for what we wanted. I felt like I got a word from the Lord. We stood on that word because I think sometimes it's hard. We want to believe for things and we feel like maybe it's because I don't have enough faith or whatever. I think it's very, very important when you are believing for something so close to your heart that you stand on the word of God, either the written word or the rhema word that he's giving, giving you. Um, because otherwise you're just standing on your, your own desire. Uh, perhaps. Yeah. Not always. Sometimes our desires are from God and they're wonderful and sometimes they're not. Right. And he's protecting us or or he's he's working out a grander scheme and a grander plan that we can see in the moment. And so um I think it's really important to just lean in and listen to the Holy Spirit. And if you do feel like God has said that this is a promise from him, stand yeah. on that, you know, and trust that he's going to Fulfill it in the way he wants to fulfill it, not necessarily the way you think it should all work out. Yeah. Wow. I love it. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it so much, Tasha. Um, and I'm not going to take more time by sharing like the two. I'll share with you another time down the road some sometime how just even two specific ways that God, God has already impacted my life through your book. Look what you've done. The lies we believe and the truth that sets us free. Um, but the, the book is beautiful. I want people to get this book or get the audio book and listen while you drive or listen, how you listen, um, read this book. It's beautiful. There's so many stories that you are going to be blessed by and enjoy and cry and laugh, um, that we didn't even touch upon. So I just have to encourage people to get this book, Tasha Layton. She is a minister of the gospel. I didn't know before this book, I thought you were a great, 
singer songwriter, but you are a minister of the gospel and man, there's just uh, first and foremost, <laughs> yeah. beyond anything else. I mean, I, I think, um, I, I wouldn't identify as a, I know that word can be a trigger these days. I know, I know. How you I know. identify. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't identify as a singer necessarily or an artist. I, I, even though I do that, I think I would first right. identify as a pastor or yeah. Um, yeah. just a child of God. I mean, I, right. I sure. maybe not even pastor or minister, just a child of God. Uh, I think it's really important that we don't identify with what we do. Right, um, right. Or what yeah. we're necessarily gifted at. Just right. who who has God made us to be? And um so yeah. Right. That's good. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. And down the road sometime, if you're ever willing to come back and uh take us through or talk to us about boundless um your prayer journal, be sure to let me know because I am gonna get that book oh, I would and love to. look forward yeah. to it. So Okay. That would be great. That would be great. All right. Okay. Okay. Great. I'm counting on it. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) Anything you want to say in close, um, to people watching or listening? Yeah, I think, uh, when you get, look what you've done and you go start going through it and you realize that maybe you want to delve a little deeper. I think boundless is a good way to do that. Um, I like to describe that book as the process God and my therapist took me through to get me free. And I did a lot of trauma research um, in the book or writing the book. And I had uh, several therapists and clinical directors um, read through and, and help me with that process. And so some of the exercises in there are really intentional. Um, they might seem a little elementary, but they're they're pretty uh Pretty not. <laughs> so <laughs> I love the book. Uh, it's a journal. It's a workbook. And yeah. so um, if when you, when you read, look what you've done. And that, that way you can get an overview of, of my story, of what God has done. And then if you feel like this is really hitting home for me and I want to I go through this process too, I think Boundless is a good way to do that. Mm, and I think even having not read Boundless or worked through it, I think even if this book doesn't hit you like that, which I think it will for most people, that was very uh, yeah. kind way for you to put that. But uh, even if for some reason they didn't feel this, I'm going to encourage them to get Boundless and, man, open up your heart. And I haven't even read the book, but I'm, I I can yeah. tell it's it's going to be really great or work through the book. So. Uh, man, awesome. Well, Tasha, just thank you so much. Thank you for also, we didn't even talk about, but just being so vulnerable and um, just open and authentic and real, which, you know, is a language people just need to understand. And of course, I and others, whatever, just yeah. the, the temptation is to not go there. And we just really appreciate that you did to invite us and feel like, hey, wait, I've been through that. I've gone through this. All of it was just really beautiful. So just wonderful, wonderfully um, anointed writing and just beautiful. So thank you so much, Tasha. And thank you for your time today. Well, it is my honor, Steve. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. That was Tasha Layton. Look what you've done. Great book. Highly recommend it. Want to just remind you and leave you with this word that 
we get to be very bold because of what God has done. Look at Tasha's life. Look at those miracles that she talked about. Amazing to me. And out of that, we can live a life that is very bold. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 3.12. He said, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.